theyeshiva.net. Zal, Maimir Azal. This will explain on a deeper level the Maimir Chazal, Tfilis Ovis Tikno. The Tfilis were instituted by the Ovis. You have it? Yeah? You see page 70. Parshas Emrus If Beis. In this parish, he's going to explain even more, de- in de- more in detail how the whole concept of tefillah, of davening, is to experience your own Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. Meaning, the courage and the awareness of your ability to extricate yourself from all of your own confinements, what we call Mitzrayim, Meitzarim Ugvulim, and as we explained previously in Perik Aleph, Meitzarim Ugvulim here doesn't mean Meitzarim Ugvulim only of, so to speak, bad habits, negative addictions, internal, internal deficiencies that are clearly inhibiting one, but it becomes far more subtle and far more sublime. Meitzarim Ugvulim means even the most profound levels of spiritual awareness that are all part of the Malchuscha, Malchus Kol Oilamim, in many ways, are Meitzarim Ugvulim. And the ultimate Dveikus, objective of Dveikus is Hashem Himself, not God's name and God's Malchus, but Hashem Himself. This is the whole Pesukah de Zimri leading up to Krishna when that Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim actually occurs, which is why Chazal put together two mitzvahs that are not really connected, the mitzvah of Kriyashma and the mitzvah of mentioning Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, which are two separate mitzvahs and Tariyag mitzvahs. One is a mitzvah to mention Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, one is a mitzvah to say Krishna, and yet they, they put them together, we do Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim in Krishna, because ultimately Kriyashma is the experience of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. So he says, this will give a new perspective to the Maimon Chazal Tfilis Avis Tikna. The Gemara says in Brachas Dav Chavav, why do we daven three times a day? What's the source? So there's the famous Machlaikas, the Gemara brings two shittas. One is Tfilis Avis Tikna. The Tfilis were instituted by the Avis. Avram Shachris, Yitzchak Menche, Yaakov Maidav. And the Gemara brings the sources for each one. Avram Shachris, Vayashkim Avram, Yitzchak Menche, Vayetze Yitzchak Lasuach Basada, Lifnois Erev. And Yaakov Tikkun Tfilas Arvis Vayivagav Amakim Vayolin Shom Kivah Hashemesh, different psukim and Bereshis, which means that the origin of the three prayers come from the three of us. Avram introduced the concept of Shachris, Yitzchak Mincha, and Yaakov Meir. Then there's a second shit in Gemara that what the Tfilas were Nestake and Keneged the Shnei Tmidim Keneged the Karbanos and the Beis the Lamb in the morning and the Lamb in the afternoon. That is the Shachris and the Mincha. What about Meiriv? Mayriv is a varim ubdarim shalainis aklu bayoim vaholchin uktarin kalalayla. The halacha is that all karbanas during the day, as long as you sprinkle the blood, as long as you slaughter the animal and you sprinkle the blood during the day, the limbs, the fat could burn throughout, throughout the night. Right? The first mission in Brachas. So therefore, we do a mayriv, why? Because the carbon is continued after the night. Often the carbon tamid, especially Shalbein Arbayim, when did it actually get consumed on the altar? It got consumed during the night, and that's Tfilas Arvis. 
So those are two shittas. Now, you realize that these two shittas are somewhat strange. Because the difference between the Avas being Misak and Phyllis and Karbonas being Misak and Phyllis is you're dealing with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. It's not you say they instituted but this reason, that reason, right? Both reasons. You're dealing with Avas, there's no Karbonas. You're dealing with Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, right? Who lived hundreds of years, a half a millennium, before Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim and before going into Yitzhiyas before building the Mishkan and then ultimately building the Beis HaMikdash. Literally hundreds of years. You're not dealing with a few decades. So it's completely two different perspectives. Tfilis Avis Tikkuna, Tfilis Karbonis Tikkuna, Mamish, different perspectives. So the truth is we're going to see here that both perspectives are true. On a deeper level, it's not a machlaikas in factuality. There's two components to Tfilah. One is the component of Avis Tikkuna, and one is the component of Karbonis. Now, First, I want to explain this on a more practical level, and then we'll see here, it's not so practical, but a more, maybe a little more tangible, and then we'll see here, he's going to go into a more abstract and spiritual level, there's a big question of what is davening. You know, davening is always a challenge for the Jewish people. I mean, one of the great struggles that people have is with davening. Kids start davening at a very young age. It's a long, long process in yeshiva. There's shachas, there's mincha, there's mayrif. And as many of them will say when they grow a little older and they have either the, the maturity or the confidence or to be able to speak about it is that they, it's, it's one of the most meaningless religious experiences that just turns them off on a daily basis. It's long, it's monotonous, it's repetitive. They're saying the same words again and again, nonstop. Can't there be some creativity? It's like, what is really going on here? And this is a challenge, many shuls, many people. Today, Baruch Hashem, we found a wonderful solution like we did for many things, and that is shuls are filled with magazines and brochures and publications. So you could sit a whole Shabbos and read stuff. And And rabbis. And rabbis to give sermons and uh, etc. So you, you like jokes, you have jokes, you have journals, and you have whatever you want. And, that, huh? and some shuls have libraries, you have books and children's books, etc. And some people, you know, their best business deals they do in shul, and they sell, they sell New York, they buy New York, and so on and so forth. They network. Okay, so we found solutions. But those solutions could be called good distractions. They're not dealing with the issue. The truth is that davening is really, it's a universe. And like any universe, it needs initiation, it needs training. Davening is, 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 a, very, davening is a very deep experience. And deep experiences, if they're not deep, they're meaningless. You understand what I'm telling you? If a deep experience, if it's not deep, it's, it's worse than not deep. It becomes destructive. You take a person into a deep experience, you just say here, and every single day... So really there's a lot of, it's a very, it, it, you see here that it's, it's a very emotional experience in Yitzhiya's Mitzrayim. Yitzhiya's Mitzrayim is not a simple experience on an emotional level. Even on a physical level, Yitzhiya's Mitzrayim is not a simple experience. And it requires a lot of mindfulness, a lot of attentiveness, a lot of emotional readiness. Somebody sits, for example, in a therapist's office and falls asleep it's not going to work. You have to be ready to challenge yourself and to fight yourself. You're going to go to the gym to exercise, right? Just to read ma- a magazine. Fine, read a magazine, but, but you're not sitting in a barber shop. 
doing, having somebody else do the work. So it's really a very intense, it's an invitation to an intense experience. Now, not everybody is ready every day for an intense experience. Let's face it. There's different, there's different, the Baal Shem Tev has an expression. Already you have it in Shulchan Aruch, the Poiskim say, Toiv l'ispalo ma'at bekavonah mehar b'shaloi bekavonah. You know, the ma'at bekavonah is sometimes better than everything shaloi bekavonah because at least the relationship was a genuine relationship. What's better, to have a conversation with your wife for an hour and a half and you're texting the whole time and you're like, yeah, 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 what else is bothering you? Yeah, 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 yeah. Or to have a conversation for seven minutes but you look at each other and you put away the phone. We all know what conversation is more, is more valuable. So davening is not much different. Fakert. So there is really here the debate in Gemara of Tfilis Avis Tiknum or Tfilis Kenegat Karbonis Tiknum is really a very profound debate on the nature of davening. What's the difference between the Avis davening and the Karbonis? The Karbonis was all about institutionalized religion. There was a uniform that the Kayan had to wear. If he didn't do, if he didn't have his begadim, the Avaidah was possible. It was routine, exact time, every day, almost the same time, same place, same ritual. The halachas of karbonis, if you ever learned the halachas of karbonis, are fascinating simply in the intric- intricacies of it. The fact that God is concerned with the details of karbonis, there's no halachas that are like karbonis. Shabbos comes a little close with malachas Shabbos, a little close. The details of the shechita, the kabbalah, the halacha, the zrika, the machshava, how the koyin walks, where he walks, where he puts the blood, how he sprinkles the blood with his finger, with his hand, with a keli, this corner, that corner, he goes this direction, he goes that direction, if he has a machshava, if the meat goes here, every detail, and every carbon is different, it's not just one rule, every, every carbon has its own prat, and, and sometimes it's completely ma'akim, and the whole thing gets nifsal, etc., it's amazing, it's, and it's all institutionalized. It's not like a client wakes up one morning and says, today I'm in the mood of doing it a little different. It doesn't work that way. Everything is institutionalized with a structure, and this is the, how Avayda works in the Beis HaMikdash. That's Karbonus. Now let's go to the Avis. What did the Avis's davening look like? <laughs> I ask you, have Rob davened with a minion? He went into the forest, he went into the wilderness, he spoke to God. He had a Nusach, he davened Nusach Svart, Nusach Ashkenaz, he said Nakdishach, Nekadesh, Keser. He did Hoidu before Baruch Shama or Baruch Shama before Hoidu? How did he do it? He said Achenu, so he didn't say Achenu. He said, how did he do it? Of course we understand, there's no Nusach, there's no Baltfilla, there's no Minion, there's no Shul. There's nothing going on, there's no Sidurim. You didn't have Ram Yitzhak and Yaakov. They invented davening. It was completely personal. It was completely experiential. It was completely spontaneous. How long did they daven for? I don't know how long they davened for. Maybe three hours, maybe five minutes, but it was spontaneous. What do I mean by spontaneous? Spontaneous in the sense it was all about them, their own relationship, their spiritual awareness. Now, their spiritual awareness was unique. You're dealing with the others. They had a sensitivity to uh, the depths of reality. But it's a whole different tefillah. So that's the argument in Gemara. The Gemara wants to know, what's our tefillah? Is our tefillah the Avis or is our tefillah Karbonus? What's our, what's our mission statement with tefillah? Is our st- mission statement in tefillah to somehow recreate the experience of the Avis? 
of course, commensurate with our own experience today, or no? Is our function of tefillah actually to recreate the experience in the Beis HaMikdash? And the two are very, very different. One is fixed, and one is anything but fixed. And the truth is that we embrace both views, which is why every tefillah is repeated. There's the silent Shemayin and there's the loud Shemayin In many ways, that's the difference. In the silent Shemayin a person can add whatever he wants. Every tefillah, every bracha, you can go off on a tangent. It comes to Rafa'enu. You could speak about all of your health issues, halachically, in any language you want. Whether physical health, psychological health, emotional health. You could talk about anything. And there were Yidin, and there are still Yidin, that stop in the middle of Shema Kaleinu, and they go through, they go through their experience. I think I once said from Rabbi Tversky, somebody, that he learned davening by a Kaisel once, had a daven. So it was once by the Kaisel. So there was a Jew standing there, you know, Jews that come to the Kaisel. So a Jew standing by the stones, by the rocks of the Kaisel. And he starts talking. And he starts saying, so, so I went to the dentist, and the dentist told oh, I told this to you yesterday already. Let's move on. He said, he learned how to daven. He spoke, he spoke to God. He spoke about the dentist appointment. He spoke about his issues in his marriage, his issues in his work, his issues with his kids, his issues with himself. He spoke. It was an internal, it was an intimate therapy session, so to speak. Here's my issues, help me, I need, I need you. Or whatever the nature of the conversation. But it's immediate, it's, 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 it's intimate, it's real. If the Chazan starts doing this by Chazar Sashat, Chazar Sashat is one man davens, and everyone is included in his davening. Now, there's a myelin, this is a myelin. The myelin, at first, I don't have to explain. Individualism, intimacy, emotional expression. I can't speak about what you speak. And our, our, our requests change constantly. When I was 17, I was concerned with things that today I find a mockery, a joke. Right? When you're 30, you become obsessed with things, and when you're going to get a little older, it becomes a joke. And then when you're 90, you look back and like, that's called a problem. <laughs> that's called a problem. You know, sometimes a 60-year-old calls me up, and he's having, you know, his, his crushes or his issues, and it's like, but that's his whole universe. There's nothing else but that. You know, he has a certain imagination about something. There's nothing else in the world but that. And he's certain that the whole universe is going to fall apart because this relationship that he was dreaming about is not working out the way he wants to. So if you ask him, daven to Hashem, that's all he's going to daven about. That's all he's going to daven about. So there's a maila. The maila is, it's real for who I am. But is it ultimately real? It may not be ultimately real. The maila of the nusach of Chazal, the fixed nusach is that the nusach of Chazal ultimately encompasses all of the needs of the human soul from the highest level to the lowest level. The Nusach of Chazal will be relevant when you're 10, when you're 30, when you're 60, when you're 90, when you're 120, and always on a different level because the words contain within themselves an infinite um, spectrum. An infinite spectrum of the human need for transcendence and the human need for meaning. On the other hand, it could become very fixed in the sense that it's just irrelevant to me. So in Tfilas Lachash, what do we do? We can insert whatever we want. Shmakaleinu, whatever you want, and any other bracha, as long as it's the theme of that bracha. Baruch you could talk about uh, house construction or parnosa. 
whatever it is, you talk about wisdom, you talk about your mistakes, etc. In Chazaris Hashatz, it's one tefillah for everybody, like the Kayan, the Shliach Tzibur, who represents everybody, and we're part of one community. It has the Kayach of cohesiveness, the power of community, the power of oneness. Tefillah Avis Tiknum, Tefillah Karbanis Tiknum. So this is not a small argument and a technical argument. It's a very profound argument about the function of Tefillah. I would say that in our generation, a lot of Jews felt that the Karbanis was so emphasized they're looking a little bit for the, for the Avis, alternative stuff to f- have some emotional experience. So people started to sing and people started to jump and people started to dance and all of that. And, uh, but the truth is that could sometimes also become institutionalized. Everything becomes a trap if you're not ready to do emotional work. The most spiritual experiences become monotonous and routine if they're just institutionalized. This is what we do. So here, we all jump together, okay? You know, Okay, so, you know, how exciting is that going to be? So, people have different nigunim. L'chadoidi with a nigun can also become institutionalized and irrelevant emotionally. So you have your two paths of tefillah that are both, and they held on to both very seriously. And there's a mile in each, and there's a chesarin in each. There's no question. There's a mile in each, and there's a chesarin in each. Now, you'll ask me a question, why did they bechlal need a nusach? Just eliminate the whole nusach, and just say avas. Just say avas, right? Just, you'll dive when you're in the mood, and you'll want to talk to God. Huh? I think two things. Number one, number one, how often are you in the mood? <laughs> um, institutionalized religion has a lot, a lot of flaws. We all know that. It has a lot of problems, has a lot of challenges. You could sometimes lose a generation. On the other hand, it has a very special power to it, if you understand what it is. The power is, is it challenges you. You understand? You could say there's no davening. In fact, that's how it is. You daven when you're in the mood, when you want, right? But let's take Shabbos. I was talking to a conservative fellow, a very, very intelligent fellow, and he came to me and he said he likes the idea of Shabbos and he wants to introduce it into his family, but he cannot deal with the orthodox structure of it. Forbidden, forbidden, forbidden. He said that doesn't make sense to him. The idea is serenity, tranquility. He says, you choose a day in the week where you shut off technology and you spend time with your family. I told him, wonderful, but I could swear to you, it's never going to work for you. It's never going to work for you. I said, I'll tell you why. Friday afternoon, when Shabbos comes, I still have 300 emails to answer. And 50% of them are very, very important. If it was up to me, I would say, I'm going to start Shabbos a little later. A little later. Right, especially the winter Shabbos. And Shabbos morning, there's always a text that's very, very important. There's always that one business deal that's going to make me $50,000 that I have to be crazy. If I want tranquility, I have to answer that text. <coughs> there's always that way. There's always something urgent in life. The power of Shabbos is that it's not my choice. Six o'clock comes, four o'clock comes. You're busy, you're not busy. You have 600 emails, you have business deals. You're stressed. You're Done. Why is it that every kitchen, Erev Shabbos, is stressed till the last minute? Sometimes Shabbos comes in at 4 o'clock, 
So then Shabbos comes in at 8 o'clock. But there's no difference. Till the last minute, nobody's ever ready for Shabbos. Why? Why can't? When they went to you already at 4, you had an extra 4 hours. It's a health garnish. <laughs> Why is it? It's the nature of the beast. Who's ever ready for anything? We're not ready. You're ready for something. You're not ready. The, that's the, pow- the reason that Shabbos is so powerful is because it creates a structure beyond my own experiences. That's what tefillah is. The tefillah is every day I show up. I show up. And you know what happens when you show up? Ultimately, if you're mature, right, something is going to happen. You show up. Showing up is half of the, of the reality. This is true in exercise, it's true in, 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 in therapy, it's true in every relationship in the world. Showing up is, is very, very big. You show up, God says show up. Are you showing up and most of the year you're doing nothing when you're showing up? Okay, so grow up. If you're already showing up, work out. <laughs> We're going to show up and sit like this. So, but showing up is very big. You know why? Because if I'm waiting for my moods, there's always something. I'm tired, I'm exhausted, I'm stressed. Today I have to go to the office. There's an important appointment. My kids need... There's always something. That power is a very deep power. It has its flaws, but it's a very deep power. That's number one. Number two, there's something even deeper. And that is, the nusach of Anshek Nesas and Davening is a nusach that encompasses, as I said, the full spectrum of human needs from the highest madrega to the lowest madrega. In the words of the Anshek Nesas you have the full experience of life because it was written with divine inspiration. If we wouldn't have a nusach, it would just be my own nusach, Right? Today I have a toothache. That's all I'm going to talk about. I got a toothache. Yesterday somebody insulted me. That's all I'm going to talk about. There's nothing else in my world. So in many ways, I limit my tefillah to my immediate emotions. And it's important to have a tefillah about your immediate emotions, but not limited to that. So there's a very delicate balance between... I, I spoke for a girls' school here. I forgot the name. So they have a sign in front of the school. God loves you the way you are but takes pride in who you can be. You have to love yourself for who you are, but you also have to challenge yourself to who you can be. Right? So tefillah has both of those elements. The silent tefillah, express who you are, but then there is a deeper element in tefillah, and that is, it's good to learn about truths that transcend you. It's good to learn about truths that transcend you. They broaden your horizons. They expand your consciousness. They challenge you to something. So the two, the two streams, the two opinions in Gemara are really very profound ideas about what tefillah is. And Judaism would not reject either. There's the element of avais that we will not let go of. And there's the element of karbonis that we will not let go of. There's the element of structure and fixed uh, uh, fixed patterns and rhythms, and then there is the element of spontaneity and creativity and personal spiritual intimacy and experience with God. This, you'll see, is the nigla of the nista that he's going to explain now. The, the basic structure in more nigla, in more, I don't know, nigla, but in more concrete terms of what he's going to explain. He's going to now do the two tracks of tefillah, the Avas versus the Karbanas. So let's start. Haidah. Both. Haidah means gratitude. Both. Both. Both have both. There's Haidah, there's, there's, there's uh, right, even, even the way Chazal did it, the first three brachas is 
first three brachas is shmach. Right? You come into the king, you praise him. Then you start asking for things. And then you don't just leave, you praise him again and you leave, right? So what is this? What, what God really needs this? It's like, oh, whoa, whoa, I didn't hear my praise. It, it, sometimes it can be funny if you don't understand. But they really try to create an experience that l'chayda could become fixed if you do not internalize it. So there's always the need to find the balance and to try to combine, to try to combine, uh, combine the two. So Vizel, Maimon Azal, Ovis Tfilis Ovis This is the deeper meaning of the fact that Tfilis Ovis Tiknum Pirush Ovis Him Chesed Gvurit Teferis. Ovis doesn't just mean the Ovis, the physical fathers. It's what they represent: love, discipline, and beauty, empathy. From Chesed Gvurit Teferis come three emotions: Ahava comes from Chesed, Yira comes from Gvura, Rachmanus comes from Teferis. We'll see why. But love is an outgrowth of chesed. Or, yira, reverence, is an outgrowth of gvura, strength. And rachamim, compassion, empathy, is an outgrowth of teferis. And those are represented by the three avis of Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, as is well known. Tfilis avis tiknum means, v'hainu shekol ha-tfili begimul now you have to realize what he's doing here. Tfilis Ovis Tiknum on a literal level means each one of the others was Mesak and one of the Tfilis. That's not what the Balatanya is saying here. What he's saying is Tfilis Ovis Tiknum. Each Tfila is made up of the three others. If you want to understand the structure of each Tfila, Ovis Tiknum. It's Mesukan, it's institutionalized from the three others. There's the element of Ahava, there's the element of Yir, and there's the element of Rachim. Every Tfila has the others. That's what Tfila is. The whole davening is divided into three types of psukim. He says, if you go through davening from beginning to end, you will find Avraham, you will find Yitzchak, you will find Yaakov. You'll find the psukim that focus on love, the psukim that focus on yira, on awe, and the psukim that focus on empathy. Why? Because this is all the hachana for your own Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. Hainu, psukim shal chesed. There's psukim full of chesed. Psukim that trigger love. These psukim, interesting lesson, from these psukim, what happens? They create the vahafta. They create the love. Through the mindfulness that we discussed before. The whole is bedness of the projection of God versus Hashem Himself. So there's the psukim of chesed that created his boyninus, that will bring the vahafta. Shobchines Avram, Oyavi, vahafta represents Avram, who is called in Tanakh. He's called, the Apostle says in Yeshaya, Avram, Oyavi, Avram, my lover, Avram, my best friend, Avram, who loves me. Avram is the one who loves me, and I love him. The psukim of Avram allow a person to find love within themselves. To be able to find the experience of God's love to you, that's very, very deep, and therefore your love in return. For example, every morning we say, Avas Oila Mahaftano, or some say, Ava Rabba, whatever the Nusach is, but the Nakud is the same. Can somebody, when they say those words, actually think about the fact that God really loves me? Do we know the emotion? What does it feel like to be loved unconditionally? Do you think that most of us really are comfortable with that emotion? 
that somebody loves you really unconditionally? Do you even believe that somebody loves you that way? This is a very serious struggle that many people have. Can you accept real, real love? I don't mean conditional love. I don't mean gestures. I don't mean somebody saying something nice. But really, in your deepest place, to be able to believe avas, oilam, avtanu, chemlag, delivers, etc. This is an example of psukim shal ava. Psukim doesn't necessarily mean a posik and tanach. That too, psukim means verses, stanzas. But that, we don't say shma Yisrael v'hafta till we don't say haboicher ba'ama Yisrael ba'ava. Only if I can appreciate the fact that he chose me in love can I then say v'haftas Hashem alakecha. That's why right before Krishna, the first word of the bracha and the last word is ava. People don't realize. I have to feel the genuine love of God and then that will bring out the If there's no avas oilam or avar rabba it's very hard to have a genuine experience. So this is a very profound mindset. This is the Avram Avinu component of davening. The component of really appreciating the fact that you are unconditionally loved despite everything. It's very hard for many of us to even believe that anybody would love us on that level. Because we're, self, we're self-critical, very self-critical. We have messages, constant messages. And this is not about arrogance. It's not talking about arrogance. It's talking about Avas Oilam Avtan who's not arrogance. The next step from this is There's love and then there's actually connecting. So after wanting to be close to you doesn't necessarily mean I become close to you. Wanting to be close to you is my desire to be close to you. But what's the, how does the actual relationship happen? Right? If somebody's spouse says, I need a favor from you, could you go to the airport to pick up my sister? She just landed. You say, no, no, I want to be close to you. <laughs> I don't want to do Right, but I want you not to be close to me. I want you to go do something for me. There's an important distinction between an emotion of love and actually connecting to the other person. Sometimes connecting to the other person means that I actually go away. There's distance because this is what they need. This is what they want. So the romance could sometimes eclipse what the responsibility of being in a real relationship is. The Balatanya was very that which is actually the mitzvah of Limud HaTorah, because so it's an experience of Torah that one actually experiences intimacy with God. Now he says a moment later you're telling me to go to work. Go to the field and gather your grain with your Yitzhak. Im It's not a compromise. It's not going away from the hafta. It's talking about a person who has vahafta. So they do malacha. But what's permanent in their life, the ultimate focus is the focus is Torah, and the malacha is a means for an end. It has a temporary, transient quality because the kva is. As the Mishnah says in Perkeyavis, Torah and Kvader, Torah is permanent. Omalacht and Are, temporary. Temporary doesn't necessarily mean temporary that the job is temporary. They may hold the job for, uh, hopefully, if it's a wonderful job, you know, knock yourself out. But the point is that they don't, that's not, it doesn't consume their life. It's transient in the sense that it's a means for an end. Vizel, this is the Pshat of the Pasuk, Kiya Adam, Eitz 
The Pasuk says in Shoftim, man is the tree of the field. Vas You have to look at your life and see yourself as a tree that grows. The primary produce of the tree is the fruits that it grows. That doesn't mean there's nothing else to the tree. Im yesh there's, there's uh, koitzim, thorns, va'alin, and there's leaves. And there's the gufa ilah, there's the trunk of the tree. But va'ikru raka peris. Ha'adam doesn't mean a person is not one-dimensional. We have our thorns, we have our leaves, we have our trunk, and then we have our fruits. The primary tree, the ikru of the tree, is the fruits. Ha'inuteru mitzvah k'maymer azal, the Gemara says in Saita, the end of Saita, my peirei, Mitzvahs. What are paid? As the Gemara speaks there about Lohi Nichul, Asas Peres, about the Egla Rufa. So what's paid is paid is a mitzvahs. V'zawi interas and kva. Ushar kol tzorichi gufim k'moya alam l'gabi apri. Now if we know a little bit how the world of botany works, the leaves are critical. The leaves are vital and they're miraculous. They're unique what leaves accomplish. And how they help out, you know, our planets in terms of absorbing... Um, what is it called? Uh, dioxide. Huh? Carbon dioxide, etc. They really keep our, you know, they keep us alive. They keep us fresh and so forth. So the alums serve a very powerful function. It's not a waste. It's not like you go to your job, oh, it's now a waste of time. That's a mistake. This is an important hafchani he's making. Because he's explaining that the ikir is tayrah mitzvahs. But as he's explaining it, he's saying that doesn't mean that everything else is a tragedy. You don't say, oh, the leaves, nebach, the thorns, nebach, the trunk, who needs it? No, they, on the contrary, the fruit can be a fruit because it has all of the other components of the, of the tree. And the, and the ulin and the goof of the, of the trunk are also much more noticeable, yes. much more prominent. And where is the previous yes. the ikr? Which, the ikr yeah. it's, and it's, and, it's and the it takes much longer to come out. And in quantity is also a smaller amount of the tree. All of this is the result of the first element of davening, which is all the vahafta, which comes from the Psukim of Ava, and that is Boinimus, that's the Pchin of Avram. There's a second part of davening, which is Yitzchak. Yitzchak represents discipline, Gvura, strength, power, aggression, borders, boundaries. This creates Yira, what's called Pachad Yitzchak. The Pasuk says in Parshas Vayetzeh, Pachad Yitzchak. Yitzchak is associated with the Midah of, of awe of reverence, of introspection. These are the psukim that trigger a certain element, not of love, but of distance, of awe, of reverence. And that's part of a relationship. Every relationship consists of two dimensions, closeness and boundaries. And one without the other is very lacking. If there's only boundaries and there's no closeness, then there's coldness. If there's only closeness and there's no boundaries, ultimately, What's lacking is respect. There is love and there's respect. And both are very powerful emotions. Love is the fact that we're one, we're close. And respect is the fact that we're not one. And we all know a healthy relationship. We're one, but we're also not one. There's parts of me that are not you. There's parts of you that are not me. And respect means respect for boundaries. The yira, in a broader sense, is not fear like we say fear, you know. I'm scared of you that you're going to strike me down. Yira is the sense of awe, of reverence, of respect. Yira is also the sense of I'm afraid to ruin the relationship. I'm afraid to ru- the relationship is too precious. 
Somebody came to me the other day and they said that they, their whole life they hate Yiris Hashem. Fear of God, fear of God. Why should I fear? Do I have to fear my mother? Do I have to fear my father? We fear people, yeah? You fear tyrants, you fear dictators, you fear criminals, you fear gangsters. Why should I fear? If you're a normal person, why should I fear you? What do you... So I told him that we, are, we, miss, we don't explain Yira correctly. Yira means the relationship is so precious, I'm afraid to ruin it. I'm afraid to do something that's detrimental to the relationship. And that's a beautiful, beautiful emotion. It's too nice to ruin. It's too beautiful. You're too of a good friend for me to join a conversation that's, that's mocking you or denigrating you. It's just too precious. You know when you have a good friend and there's people talking about him negatively? I'm not going to join it even if it's juicy because the relationship is too precious for me just to backstab you verbally or in action. That's what real Yiris Hashem means. Yir, there's higher levels of Yiris Hashem, but a, on a, on a, there's something called the Yiris Ha'inish. I'm not talking about Yiris Ha'inish. That's also, a, listen, whatever could take you away from sin is good. But, uh, you know, you want to believe, whatever it is, fine. But the Nekuda is that Yir is really a very profound emotion. There's a certain respect, there's a certain reverence. There's certain things that I'm afraid to ruin the relationship. That's a second element of davening. You evoke Ava, that's Avraham, an element of davening Yitzchak. And now he continues, and the main Arichas is going to be the Pchina of Yaakov, which is a little harder to understand. Pchina Yaakov, Pchina Rachmanas. Okay. The line starts, in the middle of Perik Beis, the line starts Gvura. Mamish, in the middle of the page, page 70, we're holding Pchina Yaakov. Pchina Yaakov, Pchina Rachmanas. You see the line starts Gvura, page 70, Lamed Hay, the third column. Parshas Emer, you have it? Okay. Tfilus Avis Tiknum. You remember what we discussed last week? Tfilus Avis Tiknum. The Gemara says in Brachis that the Tfilus were instituted by the Avis, Avraham and Yitzchak and Yaakov. This Shtikl Torah of the Balatanya says that what Pshat Tfilus Avis Tiknum, not just that each one of the three Avis instituted one Tfilah. Shachris Mincha Maidav, which is of course the literal interpretation. The Gemara says Avram Shachris, Yitzchak Mincha, and Yaakov Mairiv. But there's also a deeper interpretation. And that is, Tfilas Avis Tiknum, every Tfila is made up of all the three Avis together. Every Tfila basically mirrors and reflects the experiences, the personality, the Neshama, the Sherish Neshama of each one of the three Avis. And he says that's why every tefillah is comprised of three types of verses, three types of stanzas, three types of psukim. There's the psukim that reflect Avraham, there's the sections of davening that reflect Yitzchak, and the sections of davening reflect Yaakov. The sections of davening that reflect Avraham are the sections, what he calls psukim shal chesed. Psukim that create and trigger and help a person become more in touch with their capacity for love, both to experience Hashem's love to them, and their love to Hashem. That's the Av of Avram Oyavi, Avram, my lover, which ultimately creates the Vahaftas Hashem Alekecha and Vahoyu Advarim Elashar Noichim Mitzavcha Yom Alavavach. There are the Psukim of Tfilah that come from Yitzchak. What do we mean they come from Yitzchak? They reflect the energy of Yitzchak, which was the energy of Gvura, strength, introspection, discipline, which results in Yira or reverence, respect. That's the part of Yitzchak and Davening. And those are the two pillar, the two, the twin emotions known as Chesed and Gvura. 
which in many ways are opposite, but ultimately complement each other. Because chesed without gvura, gvura without chesed is sorely lacking. Chesed, of course, is the energy of attraction, closeness, love, affection, giving, generosity, everything that goes under the umbrella of becoming close to somebody both emotionally and, and practically. And gvura is the opposite emotion of borders, boundaries, strength, discipline, severity, sternness, harshness, sometimes penalties. That's the element of gvura, of strength. In, in, in one's emotions, chesed is very uh, extroverted, and gvura is extremely introverted. Chesed is the person who's very out there, and gvura is the person who goes deeper into himself and works on himself in a very, in a very profound way. Gvura is much more intense than chesed. Gvura doesn't overlook things. Gvura is extremely, extremely disciplined. There's two types of gvura. There's people who maintain very high standards for themselves. That's real gvura. And then there's people that their gvura is that they maintain high standards for everybody else besides themselves. So that's, that's not a very wholesome gvura. That's not a worked out gvura. Everybody else must be the, on the highest level besides me. The real Gvura, Yitzchak, was challenging himself constantly in a very profound way. So those are the Pesukim. So in Davening you have the element of Chesed, you have the element of Gvur. Upchines Yaakov, Upchines Rachmanes. Yaakov is associated with Rachmanes, which here means Rachmanes is the concept of Rachamim, which I think the better, be, one of the better translations in English is empathy. What is empathy? Empathy is the ability to feel, to, to empathize, to feel somebody else. So what's the Rachamim here? Rachamim is compassion. What's the connection? First of all, what's the element of Rachamim by Tefillah? When it comes to Ave and Yira, we understand our relationship with others, and really our relationship with Hashem has these two components. There's love and there's respect. And in every relationship you need that. I love you, I'm close to you. And I respect you, which means I'm distant from you. And both are critical. Because Ava melts away the differences. But a relationship also has to have differences. It has to respect the differences. Because if not, there's nothing left of you. There's nothing left of me. We choke each other. Sometimes relationships, people get so close. And there's nothing left at the end of anybody. Because they cannot maintain their own identity. And therefore, ultimately, I have nothing to give you because you squashed me or I squashed you or we both squashed each other. And uh, real relationships have very deep ava, but they also have an element of respecting your identity as being different than my identity. And therefore, you're also having needs that may not be my needs. And even with our own children, there's an element of ava versus gvura. There's also boundaries. I'm not my child and my child is not me. And really, all discipline comes from the fact that I'm not just overlooking what may be easier at the moment, I'm, I'm not o- overlooking what may be harder to do at the moment, I'm respecting the fact that there may be long-term consequences for you, and therefore, this is necessary to put into place for your sake, even if not for my sake. So that's Ava and Gvura. Ava and Yira, Chesed and Gvura. What's Rachamim? What's the Hainu, Misha, Liboy, Kelevha Evan. Somebody whose heart is like the heart of a rock. You know the expression, I am a rock. So this is where they got it. 
Liboy I don't know if this is where they got it from though. Liboy Kaleva Evan. His heart is like have a rock, which means it's 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 stone like. I don't want I don't know if I should use the word stoned, but uh, the heart is stone like in the sense that it's it's not moved, it's unmoved. Sometimes you can't move a person. You're just not moved, like you're a rock. There's nothing that moves you. There's times in our life when things move us, we emote. Something gets in. If my heart is a rock, nothing, nothing ever gets in. Nothing penetrates. Everything ultimately is, is not allowed entry. And often this comes because of cynicism or hardship. Sometimes if a person has been backstabbed or have been around the block a few times, so people decide that the best policy in life is not to be moved by anything ever again. And then you don't get hurt. <laughs> you don't get hurt. If, if nothing touches you, so then you don't get hurt. I, there's a guy who sends me emails, so he has a signature under his name. He always writes, expect a headache and you'll never be disappointed. You know, just expect a headache. Expect to be hurt and you'll never be disappointed. You'll always be good. Just close off your heart and then you're safe. You're safe. At least, at least you know <laughs> there's nothing that's ever going to move you. So he says, Somebody is hard to handle. The problem is when your heart is a rock, you also can't live. person doesn't emote. There's no life. You're not alive. You don't connect with anything. Not with yourself, not with your loved ones, not with your wife, not with God, with nothing. There's no Avedis Hashem. So he says, You can meditate on everything that's been discussed above. And he means everything. Everything we discussed. Malchus, Malchus, all the his bindness in Yitzias Mitzrayim, v'loyavu lepchinas v'after she bekrishma, the v'after in Krishma won't do anything to him. Why? Machmas shekasher ma'od b'havli ya'olam. This person is very entrenched in the vanities of life. Lias yesh v'davar b'fneiatzmai. He's completely separate. He doesn't appreciate in any way his relationship with Hashem. The fact that he's part of Hashem. This part that he's really spiritual energy. He looks at himself simply as a piece of matter, a piece of flesh, completely detached. He doesn't feel how holy he is. He doesn't feel, therefore, how connected he is. He doesn't feel that. So he looks at himself and he sees himself as a rock. So in a fascinating way, it's really a real form of, of it's a, cynicism is really a form of depression. It's really, that's what it is. It's a sophisticated form of depression. You laugh off everything, because when you laugh off everything, then you never really, it's because you gave up on life. You gave up on people. You gave up on the world. You certainly gave up on God a long time ago. You just give up on everything. When you give up on everything, so you're cynical. So cynicism is cute. It's sharp. It's, you know, people, they have snidey remarks about everybody and everything. But all they do is cynicism. It's really... It's, it's a form of retreat. It's running away from life. That's what it is. You're cynical. People say about marriage. About, they tell a joke that there was a guy who, uh, for supper one night, he brings home a guest. He brings home a guest for supper, regular supper. His wife sees, right? She's in the kitchen. She's like, Yankel, come here, come here. You know when you get summoned? Mm-hmm. Come upstairs. So like a sheep, he goes upstairs and she starts giving it to him. How do you invite a guest without telling me? 
The kitchen is a mess. The dining room is a mess. The living room is a mess. I didn't make anything. There's no food. I only have some old food in the refrigerator I was planning to serve you. I'm not dressed. I don't look good. I feel sick. Hey, you know, one of those. And uh, she starts giving to him, how do you do this and those? Why do you do He says it's very simple. The poor guy is thinking about getting married. So I wanted to show him. <laughs> she says, the poor chap is, is thinking about marriage. I just wanted to uh, explain to him the reality of it. He shouldn't think it's as exciting. So you have a person, they operate on that level. It's really, they close themselves off to anything. This is... This is Balatanya puts it in simple words, Liboy Kaleva Evan. A rock feels no pain and an island never cries, right? So that's that's basically the situation here. Liboy Kaleva Evan. Right. So Azaya Aitzilaz what's the eights Rab Malnafsha? Kameshakosov Liyakov Asherpada Savraham. The eights is very interesting words to arouse a lot of compassion on your own soul. There's a posik in Yeshaya, Perik Chavtes, Yaakov that redeemed Avraham. Posik says, Hashem speaks to the house of Yaakov who liberates Avraham. Literally, it means, Hashem speaks to the house of Yaakov, He, Hashem, redeemed Avraham. It's like, Hashem, Hashem redeemed Avram from the house of Yaakov. But there's a remez. The remez here is that Yaakov liberates Avram. Yaakov is midas harachamim. Avram is midas hachesed. Sometimes Avram is in prison. Your love is confined. You're like in solitary confinement. Literally. Your love is it's locked up. Avram is in prison. Avram here is not the person. It's the emotion of what Avram represents. I can't love. And I need Yaakov to liberate me from my confinement. Meaning, the Eitzah, to get out of the Golos, where Avram is confined. In other words, I'm incapable of being moved. And therefore, I'm incapable of love. And the reason I'm incapable of love is really because I am locked up. I need the Pchina of Yaakov Avinu. The Pchina of Yaakov Avinu means that a person should really, really have compassion on his soul. A person should really have compassion on his soul. Very op- the opposite of what we call today guilt. Compassion on your soul means, it's very fascinating. You, he doesn't say slam yourself. You need compassion for your soul. And the Rachamim is going to explain what happens. When you have Rachamim on your soul, this is not an act of self-pity that we discussed yesterday as an excuse for uh, paralysis. You know, when people have self-pity, they lie in bed. And I'm like, everybody hates me. Somebody once said, just because I'm paranoid, it doesn't mean the whole world is not trying to kill me. That's one form. of That's self-pity which breeds paralysis. We're talking here not self-pity in the sense that... Uh, you know, I have the right to do nothing because everybody just hates me and wants to kill me. But Rachemim al Nafshay, when he says Rachemim al Nafshay, means that a person actually meditates on the fact that their soul is in a state that needs compassion. It needs TLC. It needs Rachemim. And that helps you bring out your Avram. That's why you'll see the tefillah is filled with verses of Rachmanas. For example, in Hamei Aritz, we say, 
Hamelech Hamiraimam right Levadim Azam Meshubak Vam Fair Masasin Mesalam Elikei Olam Berachamecha Harabim Rachim Aleinu. Or later in Avas Olam or Avarabba, what do we say? Avinu of Harachamon Rachim Aleinu Vesem Belebeinu Bina Lahovin Olahaskil Lishmaya Lilma Lamed Lishma Velasas. And then you say Veloy Nevoish Veloy Nikolim Loilam Vod. This is not Rachmanis only. Have Rachmanis on me for my material needs. Yeah, that's for sure. You're asking Hashem for Rachmanis. What he's saying is, Not have Rachmanis, I need this, I need that, I need that. That's the basic Rachmanis. You're asking for Rachmanis to have wisdom, to have perception. There's a Rachmanis situation here. Have compassion and allow me the wisdom. And he explains, and what do you say after that? You say uh, and you finish We won't be embarrassed and ashamed for eternity. So he teaches Peter this means It says the pasuk says in Pashas Kisisa Hashem tells Moshe, no man sees me and lives. So Chazal tells us, The Medrash says there in Teres Koyanim, in Bamid Vachai, during their life they don't see. But after their life they do see. As long as the soul is eclipsed to clothes in the body, master of love. So the body covers up the soul. So the person experiences this world as completely detached, as completely egocentric, as a yesh, as a self-contained egotistical existence that's separate from God. So a person cannot see the divine energy. The basis of life is that our perception is eclipsed. All we see is matter and everything is fragmented. What happens when the soul exits the body? What happens then? What happens then is, on one level we call it death. On another level what happens is, one sees, you see something very unique. What do you find out? You find out that his essence, was, is, and will be without any change. And absolutely nothing can enclose it and eclipse it and cover it. So you find out that it was a mekachtos. A mekachtos literally means an erroneous sale. You sell me a car, a BMW, I find out that it was a Buick. Or I find out that it wasn't a car, Bechlal. It was Taman Alta Tranta Shmata. Right? You sell me a house, officially this, and it's a Mekachtos. Mekachtos means the whole sale was erroneous. It's not just there was a detail, a nuance that was off. Mekachtos is an expression in Halacha that the whole sale was based on a Tos. So he's using it as an expression here. A person suddenly realizes that their whole perception of life was erroneous. They looked at themselves and as the world... As a yesh v'dava b'fnei they did not see essentially the divinity that pervades everything and everybody. Everything is really divine energy. And not just everything is divine energy, but that is really God himself completely transcending the worlds. 
is present in all of its intensity. Because as he explained before, that even the divine energy that creates the world is only a ray that completely does not block or eclipse the truth that is atmos is the only real reality that's here. So somebody that his whole life lived in a certain state, and then suddenly a person looks and sees, not that they made a mistake, that all of their paradigms were mistaken. He says, The shame of this is very, very deep shame. It's not shame from the fact that somebody caught you, they chapped you by a lie. It's not shame because somebody embarrasses you in public. It's the worst type of shame. You know what the worst type of shame is? Internal shame. Internal shame. You know, imagine you realize that you invested in Bernie Madoff's uh, stock, a Ponzi scheme, for 60 years, you know? There's people, they put in $50 million, $100 million. One day you wake up, and what do you find out? It was nothing. It was iron. It never existed. It just existed in perception. It existed in numbers... On, on some documents, right? So it's an element of regret and shame where it's very, very penetrating. Now that's financial, which is also pretty intense. But here he's talking about beyond finances. He's talking about my entire perception of existence is very deep. I spoke once about, in the Muna series, about the definition of Gehenna, what real Gehenna is. So here he's describing, it's Busha G'dayla Adlama Oid. It's the sense of lost opportunity. It's a sense of, of, of profound shame. All my thoughts and all my magmoisov. You know what magmoisov is? Uh, goals, ambitions, aspirations, drives. They were in the vanities of the world. Now, not in the gashmis of the world. In the vanities of the world, imagining that it's completely detached from God. The person feels that he had tremendous chutzpah and tremendous ha'oza, tremendous audaciousness. This is what we talk about. What's So Chazal say, what's bina? There's understanding, and then there's understanding something from something else. You give me an idea, and from that idea, I develop... And I deduce from it new ideas. says, what's the bina? Hainu. This you need bina. Right now I'm in a body. All I could see is matter that's fragmented. The same To look at what I see and to deduce and to understand from that. That despite the fact that from my perception I am ungodly and from my perception I'm just physical brute matter trying to survive, the truth is, the truth is that we're all one, we're all divine energy. And because we're all divine energy, so therefore everything is batal batachlis. What do we mean? Everything is completely one with Hashem and it's even deeper. It's It's just like before the world was created. Why? Because even though Hashem changed the world, made a world, He said, Because the entire energy of the world is like the ray of the sun. Like the ray of the sun. So now imagine, imagine a, uh, a light wave in the solar core. 
a light wave in the solar core. You're not going to say that a light wave in the solar core, one light wave, changes the solar core. It's a ray. It's a light wave. It's completely submerged in the solar core. The solar core was not affected by Bria Sa'ila. So the only true reality is what? Is the presence, the intimate presence of God's essence. But we completely don't see, we don't even see that there's a creator, never mind that that's the only reality. What happens, when the soul leaves the blockages, suddenly it experiences it. And a person is like, wow. And suddenly they see that their whole life, there was a wrong perception. And they open themselves up to that reality, and it's very deeply shameful. So we say, What's L'Oilam Vod? L'Oilam Vod is, this is the Busha that exists in the future. L'Oilam Vod, in eternity. That's what we're saying. So that's what I'm asking for Rachmanus. I'm asking for Rachmanus to open me up to certain realities. Now, this must be understood really on many, many levels, but it's a very fundamental idea in how a person experiences life. There is a, uh, a book by a very interesting author, a Jew, I don't think he's alive anymore. It's called The Breakfast of Champions. Remember, uh, it was authored by uh, Ahmad Nechavrimah, eccentric fellow. Huh? The Breakfast of Champions. Kurt Kurt Vonnegut. I want to tell you one scene from there I think is relevant. It's a novel, but it's a novel about a novel. Listen to what I'm saying. It's not a novel of a story. It's a novel about a novel, okay? So it's a novel about a novel that was written. So in this novel about the novel, there's a fellow who's sitting in a bar. And he's minding his own business, and he's drinking, you know, people sitting in bars, just drinking, getting a little tipsy, and just trying to uh, distract himself and get a little high. And suddenly he hears footsteps. And as he hears these footsteps, he starts sweating and gets anxious. And as the footsteps get louder and louder, because this presence is approaching, he's now sweating and perspiring to the point that he's like losing his breath. And then, as this man enters into the bar, this person sitting and drinking suddenly disappears. He dissipates, he vanishes. The question is, who walked in? Who walked into the bar that caused him first to sweat and then completely to dissipate, to disappear? Who walked in? And the answer is, the author the author of the novel walked in. Remember, this is a novel about a novel. So basically, he's a character in a novel. He's sitting and drinking. He has this whole life going on, right? And suddenly, his author walks in. You know what he discovers? He discovers that he is the stroke of the pen of the author. That's what his reality is. He doesn't have a reality outside of the stroke of the pen of the author. That is his reality. So as this presence walks in, he ceases to be, because his entire identity is nothing outside of the stroke of the pen of the author. What happens when that presence enters into people's lives? 
So at some point, the Balatanya is saying, every person gets that awareness. Depends when. Sometimes you're younger, sometimes you're older, sometimes it's in a different place. But every person gets that awareness. When a person gets that awareness, suddenly what do they realize? They realize that this whole ego that they invested into, this whole persona that they were busy developing, is really, what is it? It's the stroke of the pen of the author. In other words, it's divine energy. It's God writing a story. And you are that story. You're part of that story. Now it goes deeper. Because the stroke of the pen of the author, what is that relative to the author's thoughts himself? Relative to the author's emotions himself? That stroke of the pen, that character, is not the whole author. It's one character in the author's personality. It's one light wave in the solar core. When a person realizes this, the sense of shame on a fraud, Freudian investment could be extremely profound. So basically, just like in life, people often live much of their lives based on perceptions that they create for themselves at a very young age. What is appropriate, what is inappropriate, who do they talk to, who they don't talk to, who they're afraid of, who, they don't, who they're not afraid of. You know, they tell the old anecdote about a baby camel that turned to its mother and asked the mother, why do we camels have three ugly, uh, three-toed legs that are so ugly? So Mama said, because our, our life destiny is to travel thousands of miles through the deserts, so we need solid legs and feet to hold us up. Okay, and why do we have these ugly eyelashes on top of our eyes? So Mama says, you know, you're traveling in the Sahara Desert, there are sandstorms. So Mother Nature doesn't want us to get blind, so we have these eyelashes. And why do we have these ugly humps? She says you travel weeks without water and deserts, so nature gave us these humps so we could store enormous quantities of water in our system, and we don't have to have water for a long time. That's the truth about camels. That's why we have these humps. We're shaped in a way to store all this water so we could trek thousands of miles without stop, non-stop. So the baby camel says, Mama, I get it. So we have these three-toed legs in order to trek thousands of miles. We have these eyelashes to trek thousands of miles and not be affected by the sandstorm. We have humps to travel thousands of miles and carry these huge quantities of water. So what in the world are we doing in a cage in the Bronx Zoo? Right? So imagine when one asks that question to themselves. My whole life, yeah, I was in a cage in the Brang Zoo, or whatever my cage was. Why? Based on my own perceptions of who the people around me are, what I'm capable of, what I'm not capable of, what I'm afraid of, what I'm not afraid of, who threatens me, who doesn't threaten me, how much I can come out, how much I can't come out. And then suddenly at a certain point, you open your eyes and you're like, the whole existence was a chalam. My whole existence, the way I defined it was, the cage doesn't exist. <laughs> The people don't exist. It was all my perception. I was projecting all my fears based on, on, on other people until I lived my whole life. That's a sense of shame that's very hard to deal with. Because it's not you're blaming anybody. You're not even blaming yourself. It's just, wow. I, that's, that's a different type of busha. It's not busha, you chap me. I, okay, that's also busha. It's the busha when I realize that the whole thing was one big mechachtos. It never existed. It's not that you're a ganavas mebagama. It never existed. The whole thing was one big Ponzi scheme. That's very painful stuff. 
why is he telling this to us? He's telling this to us. Don't wait. <laughs> Don't wait. Now, on a deeper level, it, this is all even the regular psychology. Now, on a deeper level, it's when you don't realize the spirituality of life. You don't realize that all matter is really connected. You don't realize that the world is not a yesh v'dava You don't realize the pnimius of existence, and you don't realize the ato v'achalei nivro'elam, ato v'achalei In other words, you attribute to any moment or any experience something outside of it being the intimate essence of God right here, right now. So, this is the Vesein Belibeinu Bina Lahavin Olahaskil. Lishmoya Lilma the Lama Dishma Velasa Shlay Neva Shvalay Nikalam Lailam Vad. Not because I'm afraid to be ashamed because my ego my reputation will be compromised. I'm afraid to be ashamed because I don't want to be ashamed, because I don't want to discover a truth that becomes so painful for the person who wasn't there. So Ganeden and Gehenim really is the same thing, I think. Ganeden and Gehenim is not two different things, it's really the same thing. For one person, it's like, wow. And for the other person, is, I can't believe it. You know? I push it, can't, it's the same thing. It's just the bush I have to deal with, and the cleansing, and the introspection, and getting, back, and getting rid of it, a lot of toxicity. And it was all in my own mind. And that, for a person to be able to extricate himself from that when they're alive and say, I'm going to open myself up to those truths so I shouldn't have to be embarrassed. Huh? That's Rachamim. So it's Rachamim Rabbim on your soul to really appreciate the fact that a soul, and every soul struggles with this, that the middah of, of Yaakov. That's a wonderful question. Let's discuss it tomorrow, okay? Blee Nether. Huh? This was an anxious shear. He didn't give it to you. He introduced you to it. When you say avas oilam, it's a very profound meditation. To expand your horizons. I find I find these words to be very loving. It's almost like a, a loving father picking up a child and saying, "Come." Let me teach you about life. He's not, uh, he doesn't patronize. He doesn't dilute. He doesn't chanfa. He doesn't scare. You see, he speaks truth, but with a lot of love, with a lot of sensitivity, and very truthful, very naked, very raw, very real. Let me introduce you to reality. That's how I see it. He's really sharing his own experience, how he saw life. That's really what he's saying. This is what I see, and that's what I want to tell you about. Yeah. So, the first question is on this. I heard someone say that life is like a fixed game. How do you answer that? <laughs> that's a very cynical statement. No, it's, 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 cynical. it's, it's very cynical. It's of course, cynical. it's a fixed game. So, well, what's the terrorist set? So they're so they're dysfunctional. In their view of life. I wouldn't use the word dysfunctional. I would just say that there's a bitterness there. There's a depression, which we understand. It's an easier way to live. 
Somebody once told me, he says, I will never love in my life. Ever. They told me, only buy dogs. Never have people. Because they won't hurt you. They won't hurt you. Never people. Only dogs. So what if it's a statement of of Litsius that you have to be able to see through the smoke and mirrors? No. That's the fixed game. What if it's a statement of Litsius that a person is not being cynical they're just saying that some people get shlugged up. That's true. So there's a level of Emerson that yeah. it's not... There's no question. It's not, it's not, he's not blaming a person for being like stone. It's just a condition that warrants empathy. You need a, I need to feel empathy on for yourself, the fact... On, on, your, on my soul, yeah. yeah. So, the soul is really divine. Mm-hmm. And when I'm not living with that, mm-hmm. I, 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 I could feel bad. I have to feel, I have rachamim on my neshama, yeah. my nefesh. Yeah. And he said that that rachamim is a very powerful tool. Mm-hmm. It's really recognizing the state I'm in and acknowledging it. We all know in all recovery, acknowledging my downfall mm-hmm. without cover-ups mm-hmm. is the genesis of all revelation and redemption. Mm-hmm. The worst thing is when somebody comes in with solutions. Mm-hmm. When somebody says, you know, I'm bad, but I'm not that bad, but this, but that. It's like, here I am, and this is what I'm dealing with. And there's no, uh, no cover-ups. Yeah, yeah. Second question. Is, That's what Rachem and Rabbim is. Rachem and Rabbim is. And you see this by Yaakov Avinu. Yaakov Avinu has a very, you know, it's a turbulent life. Mm-hmm. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's raw. He speaks yeah. to love and he speaks. He's uh, yeah. So, so one other quick question. Where Pachatzko's board was, they're sleeping doing Elo? No. What was that? I, I didn't understand the Yiddish. In the, by the Litvish Oilam, Elul is very big. Yeah. Elul, Elul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Reb Chatzko, used to say, they go to sleep, Shavuos in the morning, yeah. and they wake up in Elul. Yeah. They wake up in Elul. In other words, the summer <laughs> is... Yeah. Yeah. It, was a, it was humorous. Rebchatzko was, yeah, very good. Rebchatzko Levenstein. Yeah, very good, yeah, yeah. V'zau li asher Avraham. That's how Siv Beis ends. This is the inner meaning of Yaakov liberating Avraham. Midas HaRachmanes has the power to set free Midas, uh, midas HaAhavah. So the question was raised yesterday, what's the connection between Rachamim and Tiferes? What's the connection between empathy or compassion and the Midah of Tiferes? Avram is Chesed, Yitzchak is Gvura, Yaakov is known as Tiferes. We're now in the Sphere of Sa'imer, in the Midah of Yaakov, the Midah of Tiferes. Tiferes literally means beauty, like, you know, Mefur, it's nice. Tiferes could mean splendor, it could mean glory, uh, Radiant. Teferis is, is a special beauty, a special type of beauty. And uh, why is that associated with Rachabim? I mean, Chesed is Ahava, Gvura, Yira, sense of awe, sense of respect. What's the connection between Midas HaRachamim and Teferis that he associates here? So, Bekitzer, the Nekuda is, I'll bring out two points. Number one, generally, Teferis is associated with harmony. Meaning, the beauty of Tiferes is the beauty that comes from the diversity that works in synchronization. You know, if you ever went to a symphony, the power, the grace of a symphony is so many different instruments, each one contributing its unique flavor to the symphony. 
the beauty of a choir, the sweetness of a choir, a children's choir, another choir, different voices all contributing to the same ballad, perhaps with harmony or without harmony. The beauty of a piece of art. What's the beauty of a piece of art? It's not just the picture. It's the diversity of the picture. It's the artist has the ability to take so many different uh, colors, pigments, shades, and the combination and the symmetry is what creates a very profound impression. A beautiful body is always based on the symmetrical uh, composition. The fact that you take diversity and you bring it together, that is what the ultimate Tiferis is. It's not one color, it's many colors, but they're working in unison. And that's really the power of Tiferis, the power of beauty. In many ways, that's the value of Rachamim over Chesed and Gvura. Chesed and Gvura are both one-dimensional. Empathy is beautiful. Chesed is I overlook flaws, or I don't see them. You know, when somebody, I'm a good guy, I'm a loving person, I just don't see the flaws, or I don't want to see them. I don't want to recognize them, I don't have mental space for them, I'm not interested in them, or I don't even get to see them. And it's not because I'm a bad guy, it's because I'm a good guy. Gvura, I'm the ultimate disciplinarian, all I see is flaws. (laughs) I see everything, quit per call, I'm very fear, I'm very just. I work what we call, you know, din, din, everything is din. There's no, uh, I don't compromise, it's fear, justice. The Gemara has an expression in Sanhedrin, Yaakov Hadin Sahar. Let halacha, you know, bend mountains. This is the way we go. There's a big machlaikas, should Bezdin offer compromise, or do we always go for a din? Do we believe in pshara, what's called bitsua, or we say no, we don't believe in arbitration and compromise, we believe in din. So if, if two people are coming to a bezdin for a din taira, should the bezdin say, okay, let's do a din taira, or let's try first to compromise. So the halacha is that the mitzvah is always to make a compromise, even though a compromise by definition is not true. A compromise means we'll make you a little happy, we'll make you a little happy. You're both going to come out right, and you're both going to come out wrong. Usually both come out miserable, or both come out happy. Right? Instead of having one enemy, you have two enemies. But the real the point is that you shouldn't have any enemies. That's the concept <coughs> of Shara. So, uh, Gvura believes in, you know, it's very fear, it's very disciplined, it focuses and accentuates every issue, it doesn't overlook anything. Both of them on their own have a lot of value and a lot of holiness. But as the Balatanya writes elsewhere, Avraham, Yotzim Emenu Yishmal. Yitzchak Yatsim Emenu Esav. Yaakov Mitasei Shleima. The Gemara says in Psachim, Avram has a child Yishmal, he has a child Yitzchak. Yitzchak has a child Esav, he has a child Yaakov. Yaakov Mitasei Shleima. What does it mean Mitasei Shleima? Everybody was perfect in Yaakov's family? The ability of Yaakov was to be able to find the Shleimos in each one of the children. doesn't mean they're the same, but it means he found the Shleimos in each one of the children. And the reason is because this has to do with chesed, gvura, teferis. Chesed is very, very powerful. But often it can have dysfunctional results. Because people think that sometimes exclusive chesed helps everybody. It doesn't help people. One of the worst mistakes in our generation is that parents think that children are not allowed to hear the word no. And it's to de- the detriment of the children more than the parents. They never hear no. You have a teenager, a young kid, has an iPhone. It's a gun in his hand, and you know it's a gun in his hand, right? But you don't know how to say no. 
And it's not because you're a cruel father, it's because you're a nice father. And you just hate confrontation. And you trust, and you're sweet. And that's what you do. You just overlook things. And sometimes you spoil people rotten, or you actually let them destroy themselves. You let them destroy themselves. And nobody's doing it intentionally, but this is an excessive chesed, which is really easy and short-sighted. The other extreme is gvura. And gvura is harshness, discipline, sternness. And today we understand that that in itself can also breed very negative results because there's sometimes a lack of warmth and love and affection. Tiferes is called midahem tsoyis, it's the synthesizer. The power of Teferis is it synthesizes. Why does it synthesize? You know what it introduces? It introduces something called empathy. Empathy is a very mature quality. Empathy means I don't overlook any flaws. But sometimes I choose not to say anything because I try to experience you. Empathy is the ability for me to put on your glasses for a few minutes. It's my ability to wear your shoes. It's my ability to go into your state of mind to the best of my ability and try to experience life from your vantage point. Gvura does not do that. Gvura is I sit on a throne of judgment and I say this is right, this is wrong, these are the consequences and so forth. Chesed, I do not see the difference between you and me. Our differences melt away and I become completely subjective to the point that I do not have actually the ability to be able to see things from a realistic point of view. Tiferes fuses subjectivity and objectivity as much as it's possibly to do as a human being. Chesed is extremely subjective. Gvura is extremely objective. Both of them could be very harmful. One can produce a Yishmol, one can produce an Esav. Esav was a tough guy, too tough, and Yishmol was a frivolous guy, too frivolous. It was a party animal. Yadoi bakal v'yat kal boy. And Esav became a Ritzeach. Yaakov mitasei shlema. Empathy introduces a new dimension in life. What does empathy do? Empathy sees everything. Empathy doesn't hide. Empathy doesn't ignore. Empathy is not blind. On love, you could say, they're blindly in love. The problem is they're going to open their eyes one day. And when they open their eyes, what happens then? It happens to many young couples. You know, they're honeymooning and that you don't see any flaws. What happens to so many marriages? They don't see any flaws. They're flying high, you know. And then a year passes, two years passes, six years pass. People get older, they get more mature, they're a little bored of each other. There's kids, there's stress, there's financial stress, there's health issues, there's loss. And suddenly, you know, you're not anymore 21 years old, you're not 26 years old, you open your eyes, you see the other person, and you're like, whoa, it's a mekechtos. It's That's what happens. What was lacking? What was lacking is lechatchila. I was not very uh, sober. I was, you know, I was high. I was intoxicated. What, through whatever. Some people are intoxicated through substance. Some people are intoxicated through certain situations. So you... You, and, and, and sometimes because you're very nice, you're kind, and your kind people see good things. And then you go to the opposite, which is gvura. Tiferis is empathy. What's empathy? Empathy means I see everything, but I choose to understand what you're going through. And when you understand life from the other person's perspective, you could overlook, you could forgive. This is what Rachmanis means. Rachmanis doesn't mean here pity as in you're a Nebuch case and therefore have Rachmanis. Rachmanis means seeing things from another person's perspective. It's the Machleikas between Beshamay and Basilo. <coughs> in Mesech Tiksuvis, 
the second parak of Ksuvas. Beishamai says, Kala Kamois Shehi. Every Kala you praise according to her qualities. Beis Hillel says, there's a universal song for every bride. Kala Nava Chasuda. And that's what made it into the song. They, uh, they ignored Beishamai's view. Ketzad Merak Nilifne Akala. Kala Nuava Chasuda. But that's not what Beishamai says. What happens if this kala happens to be not Noah? The Torah says you shouldn't lie. So Basilo says if somebody goes shopping and they buy a dress and they come to you and they ask you, do you like it or do you despise it? So even if you think it's as ugly as the devil... You should say, wow, it's so beautiful. Where did you get something so beautiful? That's what Basil answers. All the Mepharshim say, what's the answer? Beshamai said, you're not allowed to lie. So Basil said, oh, everybody lies all the time. Thank you. People go shopping. You like my new suit? It's beautiful. I wouldn't catch you dead wearing this, this cloak. But your wife bought it. You know it's good for you. You say it's beautiful. I think that one of the Mepharshim says, I think the Rashash, I don't remember, says it's only if she can't return it. <laughs> if you could return it, then you should say the truth. But if they can't return it, you don't want to make them feel they lost money, they spent, you know, $800, let it go. What's the answer? Beshami and Basil are not arguing if you're allowed to lie. Basil doesn't hold you allowed to lie. Midvar Shekhetircha. Basil, the Marsha explains this beautifully. Basil is introducing what we would call here in this context the concept of empathy, meaning you come to somebody's wedding for a few minutes, shut off your phone, <laughs> take off your glasses, and put on the chassan's glasses. From the chassan's perspective, is she a beautiful kala? I should hope so. From the chassan's perspective, is she a gracious kala? Of course, that's why he chose her. So when you're dancing at his chassan and you're saying kala nava chasuda, you're actually tuning into somebody else's life, somebody else's reality. That's not a lie. That's not a lie. That's why the Gemara says, If you really appreciate this style, and it works for you, I could celebrate your appreciation. I may never eat this. I may never wear this. Fine. But just because I am I, it doesn't mean you don't have the right to be you. That came out good. Just because I am I, it doesn't mean you don't have the right to be you. You're you and I am I. So what? And why can't I celebrate that? So Rachamim is really a very sophisticated emotion. It's a mature emotion. The mature emotion means I know about the flaws. But I also recognize what you're going through. And because of that, before I make a judgment what to do, I'm first going to try to feel what you're going through. And then I'll make a decision. Then I'll make a decision. I was once teaching in a particular yeshiva based medrash. So there was a particular bacher. He came late every single day, and he really did nothing for many months. So at some point, I had a meeting of the Anhala, what to do. So the principal said, it's time to uh, show him the exit door. One of the Magide Shiurim said, I disagree. So he said, why do you disagree? He said, because he's so cute. The truth is, he was cute. He was like a teddy bear. He was a roly-poly. He would come in every day at 3 o'clock. You know, he slept 18 hours a day. He was charming. He was adorable. He was, he was funny. He was vibrant. He was always relaxed. You know, he always slept more than he had to sleep. And he really not, did, did not do much in the Beis Medrash. 
So the principal said, Teddy bear a hair, Teddy bear a hin. I warned him a hundred times, there's consequences, he's, it's, it's creating a, 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 a very bad example for everybody else, this boy has to learn responsibility, I gave him one chance, another chance, I gave him a hundred chances, every time he says he violates it, the rule is the rule, I can't be a laugh, this place can't be a laughing stock. And the other Magachir is saying, I know, but he's so cute, he's so cute, he's so cute. Okay, so now you were watching here an argument. This was a classic argument between Chesed and Gvura. Who was right? He was like, I'm trying to run a place. I need efficiency. I need people to follow rules. I gave him conditions. I gave him chances. He violated everyone. I told him he's going to be expelled. He has to be expelled. And the other one is not arguing. The other one is just saying, but he's so cute. Like, he's so cute. Leave him alone. Okay. So they asked me my opinion. <laughs> So I told them, I said, you're speaking chesed, you're speaking gvura, you're both right and you're both wrong. I think we have to introduce a third quality. And that is, why don't we think about the boy himself? Not about if we're being fear or he's being so cute, he's so adorable and cute. It's not about you being fear and it's not about him being so cute and therefore you just like him around. Let's actually put on his shoes and experience what he's going through. Let's just do that. Imagine... He was me, he was you, he was your child, you knew him very, very well, intimately, and make a decision from that space. Just make a decision from that space. He violated all the rules, he's very cute, we're going to throw him out, what's the next step? Where is he going tomorrow? Where is he going the next month? Where is he going the next year? And so on and so forth. Now you can ask me what the Psagdin was, right? So Psagdin was, I said that he has to stay in Yeshiva, because if he leaves, it's going to be a disaster. From the social environment of Yeshiva, is more effective for him than it is for most Bachram. He likes it, he gets love here, he gets recognition, and in the streets, is, nothing will become of him. He's, he's going to become this. I told him I'll take more responsibility from whatever he stayed at the end of the year. They made a meeting and they said the Bachar who grew most that year was that Bachar. But what's, it's a very important idea that we make judgments without taking into consideration what the person is going to go through. You're right, but it's not about you being right. You're right, you're wrong. It's not about that. That's what the power of Midas HaRachamim is. And that's why it's beautiful. You know why it's beautiful? Because it appreciates diversity. And it combines Chesed and Gvur. It's not one-dimensional. It's not one color. It has a different ability. Now let's take this one step further. And this is how it applies here in this discussion. A person is sometimes in a locked-up state. Ava won't work, and Yira won't work. What's going to work is, In other words, Rachamim reaches into the abyss. And Ava and Yira will not reach into the abyss. Sometimes I am not capable of emoting with love. People are trapped. You know, there's people that cannot feel love. They can't. A lot of people. And we all have those moments. I cannot love reason we can't love is usually because we're afraid to love. Usually people who can't love, it's because they have more love and maybe they were hurt. Yira is also a very deep emotion. It's the emotion of awe, reverence. Yira, we're not talking here about, I'm afraid, you know, there's a, there's a, a rhinoceros running down the street, I'm afraid. Yira here is a very deep emotion of boundaries, respect. Yira requires a lot of confidence. Because boundaries means I end here and you begin here. The only way I could feel that I end here is if I feel that before I end here, I have a beginning. 
If I don't feel I exist, then I have no end because I have to be everywhere because I'm nowhere. You understand what I'm saying? People who are nowhere have to be everywhere. People who are somewhere don't have to be everywhere because they're somewhere. So for me to be able to feel that I begin here and I end here and you begin here, it's because I end here because there's something here. If I don't feel that, I have to be everywhere. There was a Yid who came to the Tzemach Tzedek once, the grandson of the Balatanya, and he said that everybody in Shul steps on me. And what he meant was, you know people who walk into Shul and they see two people speaking in the corner, and who are they speaking about? You're certain that they're talking about you, right? You come into a shear, two people are talking, they're talking about you. You walk into a shear late, the only seat that's available is in the front row. You walk through the aisle, right? You sit down for the next 20 minutes, what are you thinking about? What they were thinking about you when you came late, you can't even think about the shear. Because you're so consumed in the self-conscious trap, which doesn't allow you to experience life. So he tells us, in shul, everybody steps on me. So the Samach Tzedek told him, in Yiddish he says, your problem is you spread yourself out everywhere, so wherever anybody steps, automatically it's on you. If you would just have a space that you could call yours, then nobody would step on you. So Yira is, a, is, is also a developed emotion. It's a certain developed emotion. You actually have a space in life. It's a very hard thing. A lot of people don't have a space that they call their own. I'm talking emotionally. Emotionally, they don't have real boundaries. They don't have a space. They want their wife to give them the space. They want their husband to make a space for them. They don't have a space. When you don't have a space, you can't begin, you can't end, you can't give. Shali, shalach, shalach, shali. There's no, there's no boundaries. There's no you, there's no me. So ava is the ability to love. Gvura is the ability to create space for somebody else and create space for yourself. When a person is in the abyss, sometimes these emotions are locked up. I can't feel Ava, I can't feel Yira. That's what he says here, Yaakov HaShepodas Avram. Sometimes Avram is in Golos. What does it mean Avram is in Golos? I'm not capable of love. Love requires inspiration. Love requires freshness. Here is the Chiddush of Midas Yaakov. Midas Yaakov Avinu, Midas HaRachamim, travels and is applicable in all circumstances. It travels even to the abyss. That's really the concept of Tiferes. It includes and harmonizes all circumstances and all situations. You know why? Because even in the worst, worst, worst situations, the greatest addict, listen to this, the greatest addict, the most trapped person, is not capable of real love. They're certainly not capable of respect and boundaries. They lie and lie and lie and lie and lie. The one thing they're capable of is having compassion for their soul. If they will not be in denial, of course. But even if they will be in denial, they're being in denial because not being in denial is very, very frightening. Midas HaRachmanes is the attribute that can always relate to me. The ability to have compassion on such a beautiful soul that has fallen so low. That is an emotion that is always available to you. I can't feel love, I'm trapped. I can't feel awe, I'm trapped. You know what I could feel? I can have compassion for my neshama. I can have compassion on such great potential, on such a beautiful child and peace of God that is so trapped. And in a paradoxical way, Yaakov is Poydavram. What says Yaakov is Poydavram? When a person actualizes that midah 
of Rachmanus on their nefesh, it brings out the quality of God's compassion and it helps them come out of their prison. It ultimately helps them liberate the love. This is not self-pity which breeds depression and paralysis. We're not talking about that. I just need everybody to feel bad. I said Sunday that there are people who assuage their loneliness by imagining their own funerals. You know that? You'll ask any therapist here, they'll tell you people sit and they imagine what their levaya looks like. They see their wives crying for them, and that's how they feel good about themselves right now. It's a fascinating thing. It's a very, now, this is a very common thing by many of us. This is, we live vicariously through that. We're not talking about self-pity that breeds paralysis, nor are we talking about self-pity which breeds victimhood. We're talking here about the fact that I feel bad for my, my, my beautiful soul. I feel rachmanas. I feel compassion for such a powerful spark, for such a powerful potential, that fellow. That emotion is always available to you. You don't have to be inspired for it. Other emotions need inspiration. If you don't have inspiration, I don't have Avas Hashem. I don't, I don't love God. I, I, I don't love God. I love cheesecake. I don't have the inspiration. Yiris Hashem, I don't have Yiris Hashem. What about Midas Harachmanas? That's always available. You know why? Because what is that? I'm not inspired. You can have compassion for yourself. You can have compassion for yourself. The power of Rachamim is that it reaches from the highest and all the way to the lowest. I am never in a state where I am excluded from Midas Rachmanas. That's why Yaakov is Mitasi Shlema. There's no such a thing. He has fallen so far that he's lost. There's no such a thing he's lost. If you look at Ave and Yira, oh, this kid, this guy's trapped. He's lost. If you look at Midas Rachmanas, there's no such a thing. You're so far that you can't be redeemed. Rachamim I can have on you. So if I can have Rachim on you, you can have Rachim on yourself. That's Mam Sheikh Midas Rachmanus of Hashem also. There's a, I once heard from the Lubavitcher Rebbe, he said that he heard from his father-in-law, from his father, the Rashab, who once said, the Gemara says, Kol mi das, Somebody who doesn't have Das, you're not allowed to have Rachmanus on him. So he said that the Rebbe Rashab once said, this is an expression, he says, ah, he called his son, he said, ah, if Torah says that you're not allowed to have Rachmanus on him, do you imagine what a Rachmanus is on him? If Torah says you're not allowed to have Rachmanus on him, can you imagine what type of Rachmanus it is on him? The point is that the Midas HaRachamim is limitless. There's no space where it doesn't reach. I can, I'm uninspired, I'm unmoved, I'm, I'm apathetic, I'm careless, I'm depressed. I'm here, okay, good. So you're not inspired. Can I have compassion on my soul? Yeah. That's the third quality of davening. There's the psukkim of davening that trigger love. That's Yitzchak. Uh, uh, there's the psukkim of davening that trigger Yira. And then there's the parts of davening that my heart is like stone. You remember? What's it? My heart is like stone. I don't have love. Nothing. But one thing. <laughs> you're a good guy. You're a, you're a holy person. You're a piece of God. I could feel bad for the fact that I don't feel bad. So now you say, but I don't feel bad for the fact that I don't feel bad. But I could feel bad about that too. So even though I don't feel bad that I don't feel bad that I don't feel bad, but I could become aware of that. And that is a midah that is beautiful, it's splendorous because it's harmonious. What do I mean it's harmonious? It encompasses every type of color, every type of situation. That's the mid of Yaakov. That's why Yaakov's child never falls away. He has Yosef is in the abyss. And he's the black sheep of the family. That's what the brothers thought. Right? 
but not in Yaakov's world. There's no such a thing. Because Midas HaRachemim means the lower the state, the more Rachemim, not the less Rachemim. So in many ways, there's no such a thing, you're hopeless. Feel compassion for your soul. That's it, I'm asking you. Don't get inspired and don't care. Just feel sensitivity and compassion for your soul. What that does is, says the Balatanya, every midah that we have triggers parallel the midah from Hashem because it's all like a mirror. Everything is like a mirror. It's all a mirror image. So that brings forth rachamim on my soul. That's what helps people get out. What helps people get out of their trap is Yaakov Ashepodas Avram. You have Ram gets liberated. Why does Yavram get liberated? Because that's the first step. When you really feel compassion for your soul, it opens up vistas in your soul. It opens up windows for your soul to be able to actually experience enlightened energy. I don't know if that works together. Enlightened energy, why not? Yeah, it works, okay. It allows you to experience enlightened energy. In other words, a higher type of energy which can extricate you from the state. So in the process of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, that davening is ultimately all about Tfilois Avais Tiknum. There's the element of Avram and Yitzchak, and then Yaakov. He says, because if Libay is Keleva Evan, what's the Eitzah? La'oyre Rachamim Rabim al Nafshay. To arouse Rachamim al Nafshay. I'll just say that in Tanya, in Perik Memvav, the Balatanya explains with this the deeper meaning of the Pasuk that when Yaakov meets, meets Rachel, what's the first thing he does is? He kisses her. Vayishak Yaakov Lirachel, Vayises Koiloi. He cries. Why are you crying? You just met her. What are you crying? They say a mice that a Yid once came to the base of Israel to the Gary Rebbe and he said that there was a particular Rosh Hashiva who said that why did he cry? Because he realized he kissed a girl. He kissed a girl so he started to cry to do tshuva. The base Israel said I think the reason he was crying is because he knew that one day there will be somebody who will interpret the Pasuk this way. <laughs> So that's why he started to cry. That's what they say from his name. Ishmaqavart. Well, Tanya says as follows. Yaakov represents Midas Arachamim. Rachel is always the metaphor for Knesset Yisrael, the sheep, the you. Vayishak Yaakov Lerachel. Vayisa Eskoiloi Vayevk. Yaakov kisses Rachel means he connects to Rachel. Neshikin is his dapkos rucha berucha. It's one spirit connects with another spirit. He lifts himself. He lifts himself up to his deepest midasarachamim. And he's ma'ayre rachamim rabman of Yisrael. That for eternity, in any situation that a Jew finds himself, he'll always be able to be ma'ayre midasarachamim on his own ashama. Whatever situation he is, that's the first thing Yaakov does before he builds the family. Which is an expression of Rachimim Rabim. He lifts her up and he lifts himself up. He says, To the highest level of attribute of empathy. And he cries, basically giving the empowerment that in every situation you can always be Ma'ir Rachimim Rabim. To be Ma'ir Rachimim Rabim, this I don't have to be inspired for. On the contrary, the less inspired, the more Rachimim. This is almost like a trick. <laughs> It's an access to emotional uh, depth, to a spiritual uh, adrenaline that doesn't come because I'm in an elevated level. And that's the association with Tiferis. Tiferis is always the harmony of paradoxes. 
When opposites merge, when differences merge, it creates splendor. Rachamim is a type of midah that starts in the highest places and it reaches down into the lowest places. And there's no space that's ever devoid of it. You can always look at a situation and say, but I'm going to have compassion. I'm going to have Do they deserve it? Probably not. Do they deserve it? No. Are there no flaws? There are a lot of flaws. So if Chesed and Gvura, they're gone. They don't deserve it, so Gvura says they're gone. And Chesed, I don't see any goodness. So Mitzad a Chesed point of view, you're out of my life. Mitzad a Gvura point of view, you're for sure out of my life. I don't see good, and I don't see that you deserve it. But there's still one thing. And that is, I can have compassion. I can have empathy. It's not because you deserve it, and it's not because I see good. Because I appreciate the tragedy of the human story, the tragedy of the human journey, and I appreciate the fact that the soul sometimes falls down very low. Yeah? Well, Rachamim always considers reality. That's the point. It's never blind, and it's never harsh. It considers reality. Sometimes Rachamim requires to detach yourself. What happened by Shaul HaMelech? When he speared the Amalekim, what did the Baskal say? Kol HaMerachim Al-Achzarim. You know what the Medrash says. Kol HaMerachim Al-Achzarim. Mis-Achzir Al-Rachmanim. People who are compassionate to the cruel become cruel to those who deserve compassion. Why? Because misplaced compassion could be very cruel. Misplaced compassion is like Habala Hargach, right? Somebody is coming to kill children or to kill innocent people. You'll say, I have empathy for their soul. You can have empathy for their soul, but right now there are innocent people who are going to be killed. Right now you need Midas Hadin, Midas Hagvura. So Rachamim doesn't mean you ignore reality. Rachamim means you appreciate reality, but you appreciate all the dimensions of reality. It's multicolorful, multidimensional. You understand what people are going through, but you understand what this moment calls for. Sometimes this moment calls for Midas Hadin. You have, to, you have to kill this person. But Racham means you don't ignore any dimension of reality. You see everything, including the person. The Sfasemis writes, Have a done as Kala Adam Lakafskhus, we say in Prikayavis. What's Pshat? He says, Pshat is not Kala Adam every person. Kala Adam means the entire person. Have a done as Kala Adam Lakafskhus. Most people, when they judge other people, they don't know the entire person. I know what you said right now. I know what you did. You know my childhood. You know my psyche. You know my emotional dispositions. You know my struggles. You don't know. It doesn't mean I'm right what I did. It just means when you're sitting on a throne of judgment and you feel that you're holier than thou, just remember, kala adam. You have to in- incorporate all the dimensions. You have to see everything. Yes. Yes. He's not a mace. He's not a mace. Yitzchak was Gvura. You can't get to Teferis if you don't have Chesed and Gvura. That's another mistake. There's Chesed, there's Gvura, then there's Teferis. You can't jump to Yaakov. Oh, no, the point is that the Avet, for the Avet to be in Golos, is much more common. Vidas Avet is very powerful. There was no inspiration. Since Leia had Mido, like it's not that Kavura more, that's why we didn't want to marry. That could be, that could be. That's interesting, I don't know. That could be. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net.
please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.